I'm Craig Kenneth, a relationship coach and a psychotherapist. Every relationship is different and every breakup is different. Work with me and you'll get professional help on your situation. Just click on the link in the description below or go to my website, AskCraig.net. Hi there, I'm Coach Craig Kenneth and I got a special guest today. Hi there, I'm Coach Margaret. And today we're going to be talking about my ex is stubborn. No, I don't want to. A huge topic. Yes, it is. I hear it all the time. Yes. People are always talking to me about how their ex is very stubborn. They're a very stubborn person. Yes. And they're convinced that because this person is stubborn, that they'll never reach out, they'll never change their mind, right. there's nothing you could do to convince them of anything. Right, and this wonderful relationship is going to go down the tubes because of their stubbornness. That's right. What does stubborn really mean? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. Oh. And we're going to talk about how it might not be such a bad thing after all. No. I'm going to make a case I often make. <laughs> um, that we've talked so much about attachment and its role in human life and, and how we do business and how attachment makes us healthy. However, um, it has an opposite, as do most good things, um, which is autonomy, the wish to be our own person, the wish to make our own decisions. Mm -hmm. And as usual, we live in a world between two extremes, both of which are necessary. Mm -hmm. Attachment on the one hand, yep and stubbornness or a wish to be one's own person on the other hand. And how are we going to negotiate all that? It's called growing up and it's not easy and it never has been. No, it takes a lot to, to go through those steps. Yes, it does. And we're going to look at those steps today, right? Later yes, on? we are. Because, you know, I'm always telling you guys, you want to be with a person who is emotionally healthy and available to do a relationship. Yes. And if you're not with somebody that can't do those things, or you can't do those things, it's going to fall apart. There's just going to be a lot of... It's going to be a terrible imbalance. Exactly. Yeah. So let's talk about this. Everybody's sitting there watching, thinking, my ex is stubborn. They're never going to change. They're never going to reach out. And we're going to lose this wonderful relationship. It's and, all over. And yeah. I'm sorry. It's, that would be very scary. Yes. Oh, it's terribly scary. We've talked about that. Sometimes you feel like you're dying, like part of you is missing. It's yep. a terrible experience. But we're going to talk today a little bit about autonomy and asserting yourself and beginning to think about being your own person. And I can tell you that the people around you, to whom you are probably attached and who are attached to you, rarely give you a round of applause when you begin to assert your autonomy. Just like you probably have been doing to your ex during this breakup. Right. <laughs> when do we first assert our autonomy? I bet you know the answer. And as usual, it doesn't have a good name. It's called the terrible twos. That's right. What happens in the terrible twos? Well, you learn the most important word in the universe, which is no. And you also learn to walk so that if you're annoyed and don't want to go along with the program that the adults are presenting for you, mm -hmm. you can toddle off in the other direction. That's right. Okay? No is a good thing. Right. You would not feel so good 
if you are unable to say no to somebody, so it's not a bad thing when you're able to say no. And there are people, unfortunately, who are unable to say no due to various early experiences of mm -hmm. getting in trouble or getting abused or doing anything if they say no. Um, and they end up, unfortunately, sometimes being what we call doormats. Yeah. So the ability to handle some of your anger and to say no is really, really, really important. Yep. So it starts at age two. And I was just watching a two-year-old the other day and thinking, I'm glad I'm not taking him home, even though he was really, really cute. He had discovered how wonderful it was to say no and to not toddle but run in the other direction. Is it healthy? Yes, it is. Does it give mom anxiety? Yes, it does. But I guess that's just part of how it goes. Yep. Um, so kids gradually master those skills of walking and talking um, steadily and eventually calm down, go along with the program, go to school mm -hmm. while asserting themselves at various times yep. um, and having temper tantrums when all else fails. Yeah. Um, the next time the whole autonomy thing really comes up is adolescence and that doesn't have a good name either. In the, old, <laughs> the terrible teens? The terrible <laughs> teens, it's much like the terrible twos. They're and back. <laughs> they're back. They're, they literally are back and anything that didn't get done in terms of autonomy it, during the terrible twos comes back in the terrible teens. What does that mean? Well, if you the first time we're really aware of experiencing anger um, is, you know, if we don't get fed on time, if some, we don't get something we expect, you know, all those reasons why kids get upset. Mm -hmm. um, and that's when we first begin to feel anger and we have to learn how to deal with it. Yeah. Temper tantrums in the grocery store just don't go over well. Um, and it's a great time to teach kids some words of no, I don't want to. Um, and so forth and so on, because there are very acceptable ways um, to learn to handle anger. And if you see an out-of-control child in the terrible twos, they sometimes will throw themselves on the floor, and they need to learn that they can't do that. Yep. And sometimes you see a parent just hold a child supportively until they're able to get back into control. Okay? Interesting. Um, and we get our first messages about anger during the terrible twos. It doesn't make us bad people or bad little kids. Mm -hmm. It makes us normal little kids who are going to do some experiencing, experimenting to see what the rest of the world is going to do about this. So what do you mean, though, when you say, well, if it didn't happen when you were two, it's going to happen when you're in your if teens? If you didn't happen to learn fairly well, now you need to be helped to control your anger when you're two, um, and if you are, then you, you learn some skills of how to control your anger. You can go punch your pillow, you can do this, you can do that. But if you don't learn any of that when you're two, mm -hmm. or if you're told that you're bad because you have angry feelings and sometimes say no, then when you get to adolescence, you have no training at all in how to handle all this. Yeah. And I remember recently, um, I had a case where the child was adopted and she had been with the current family and the current mother for many years now. However, because she was starting to act out as an adolescent, I asked where she was at age two. Mm -hmm. And what I got from both the mother and the kid is, what does that have to do with anything and why is that important? <laughs> so I explained. And the child had been told she was 
bad if she showed any emotion at all. Yep. And because she was a foster child, she was afraid she would be thrown out of any home she was in. Mm -hmm. So she had tried to learn to hold it all in. But it wouldn't stay there once she hit adolescence and felt the normal urges to assert herself. Wow. Okay? Mm -hmm. um, so she became extra independent? She became extra misindependent. Mm -hmm. And when independent doesn't work really well, you know, adolescents have been known to up the ante. You don't want me to hang out with this person? They're now my best friend. You like this kind of music? I like the most bizarre kind of music on earth, and I'm going to play it loudly in my home mm -hmm. to let you know that I'm my own person and have my own taste. So, let me ask you this, Margaret. Okay. You have somebody that had some kind of struggle in their in, a, in their ability to say no in either maybe their your, their twos or in their teenage years. Yes. How would that relate to them being stubborn in this breakup? It might. Well, it, it's difficult to tell. The worst for the person is that if they can't say no to a partner, um, that they can be easily misused. Mm -hmm. um, because if it's very frightening for you to say no, if you really feel in your heart of hearts like you might be abandoned or even hit or someone will yell at you, you will avoid confrontations. And how many adults do we all know who will say, I can't handle confrontations? That's right. And those are the skills that come in the terribles. So they might be less able to sit down and negotiate and talk with you when they're trying to uh, exert their independence at this point. Yes, because they, they, they're just trying to exert it and they don't really know how. Because mm -hmm. they've never done it. They've never done it. And I have talked with adolescents, I have a lot of experience with adolescents, and explained to them what was going on and that, you know, they can say, I'm trying to assert myself, I don't want you making all my decisions for me, mm -hmm. and put it into words so that you don't have to have, now what's an adolescent temper tantrum? Oh, I don't know, taking the car. Um, hanging around with everybody your parents hate, turning your music up really loud, rolling your eyes 24-7. I've had parents say to me, can you make him or her stop rolling their eyes? Not within my power, I'm afraid. And not only that, it's healthy that your adolescent is doing that um, because it's a normal and very important piece of learning things. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So, okay. A lot of people are sitting there probably just trying to soak all this all in. All this up, yeah. And trying to think, okay, they're trying to sit there and think about their ex, what their ex has been through, yeah. how it's affecting this re re sure. relationship and their breakup. Sure. And they're sitting there thinking, well, they're stubborn, so they're not going to change their mind because that's what they want right now. And that's where I think negotiation comes in, and mm. negotiation skills. It never, ever occurs to an adolescent that you can negotiate. Mm -hmm. It's a totally new concept to most of them. Um, but they're usually willing to try it if it's going to get them what they want. Mm -hmm. um, but at this point, they're not going to want to negotiate what and give up whatever they've just fought to get. That's exactly right. And so you've got to understand that maybe your partner has not been able to say no in their childhood or in their teens. Right, or has not grasped all those skills that go with that. Yeah, so so they ex now they're, they're exerting their independence from you right. and it feels good for them and that moment because they're like, finally, I've been able to do something I haven't been able to say or do. And the worst thing you can do is try to bully them back into being with you. Right. You're trying to force your will and your desire 
onto them when they are obviously not happy That's with right. how things are going. Right. And, you know, if you've spent time with an adolescent recently where they have experienced the joy of asserting themselves, they're not going to come back for any negotiation about that. Oftentimes, um, a sense of autonomy and a, and a wish to make decisions comes out of having healthy responses when you do assert yourself. And if the baby goes to explore and we assert ourselves and we, and we say to him, don't do that, um, we're saying to him, don't go to the world, don't explore things, don't look at things. Mm -hmm. um, so rarely are we met with a positive whatever. Um, but with like a baby, the baby always toddles off to explore. Yes. But then they come back. But they come back, exactly. Because they're attached. But if you get the message, if for example you've broken up with someone who you thought might have been a threat to your autonomy, the offer to negotiate would sound really good. And maybe even surprising. Yeah. So, you know, I've said this in other videos, you want to love somebody in a way that they do feel free in the relationship. Nobody wants to be told what to do. Nobody likes having their freedom no. constricted, right. their decisions made for them. Yeah. You wouldn't. What if I told you, you have to come over every day to my house and do three chores? Well, some of you guys might want to come over just to talk. <laughs> three chores? <laughs> Not on your life. <laughs> but nobody wants to be, if your neighbor told you to do it, you have to do, go over and do three chores. You're not going to want to do it because you don't want to be told what to do. That's right. None of us wants to be told what to do. In other words, we want it both ways. And this is one of the rare instances where we can have it both ways and should. We all want to be attached and to feel loved, but we also want to be autonomous and ultimately make our own decisions. Can we have it both ways? Yes, we can. That's not something you hear very often, is it? <laughs> um, but yes, we can have it both ways. And How can we have it both ways? Um, well, you make your decisions, I'll make mine, and we'll negotiate over the other ones. Mm -hmm. Okay? Um, but if one of us in the relationship has more power or claims more power or bullies or says, no, you can't do that, then we're going to have some problems. And there are many, many people, as I say, never underestimate it, um, who really can't say no because it terrifies them um, yeah. of either being rejected or of being, literally being hurt. Yeah. So that might be part of the reason someone may have just left the relationship suddenly Yes. as opposed to talking about it because they probably thought you weren't going to negotiate with them. Right. They thought so, you were going to reassert your position. Which, let's be honest, most of you would have tried to do. Of course. We're all human beings and we want what we want when we want it. Yeah. Um, and why won't you do it on my terms? Because <laughs> I'm always right. Yep. It's important that you have a partner that has been able to individuate and learn to say no. Right. Because you want to be with a partner that will tell you no. The last thing you want is to be with somebody who's uncomfortable and unhappy with the way things are going, but not telling you no because they were afraid to. Right. Because yeah. you so, might be making them do things that they're unhappy with, right. they feel uncomfortable with, or they just don't want to do. And if you keep forcing your will upon them, it just makes them want to 
take off, disappear, not negotiate. And they might not be able to talk to you for reasons that have nothing to do with you. Okay? Exactly. Not only that, if you've had that situation where somebody agrees with you unconditionally and it goes on for a while and then suddenly walks out of your life, you have no idea why or what you did. Yeah. Do you think those are the people that like all of a sudden just leave one day and there's a letter? Yes. And yes. they just completely go. They, they couldn't say it to you. Um, because there would be conflict, and conflict is terribly frightening to some people. Like a Dear John letter. Yeah, Dear John, yes. Because I've had that many times with right. people that their ex just disappeared on them, right. and and sometimes they'll get back together two and three yeah. times, and they keep doing the same thing. All over again, right. Because they never get by. If you're unhappy, please tell me. You know? Um, relationships can't be one way. If I'm happy and you're not happy and I don't know it, things aren't going to work. Yeah. And slowly resentment builds up and so forth and so on. Mm -hmm. um, so it's probably very important for us as human beings to say to each other, if you're not happy with something, please tell me. Yeah. Right? Um, I will always accept your answer. Nobody's going to yell at you here. Mm -hmm. You can disagree with me. And healthy adults can disagree. And um, if you haven't been that kind of partner before, right. now it's a good time to take a look at yourself and maybe evaluate what did I do that I didn't listen to them, I didn't hear them, I didn't hear what they were trying to tell me. Right. right. And see how you can do it differently in that, you know, when they do come back around again. For me as a therapist, I hear many kinds of behavior that I immediately recognize as assertive and healthy. Um, and standing up for yourself and saying it's going to be my decision. And I always go with that because it's a, it's a neglected road to adulthood. And if you go against that, you know, like if you go out there in the world, you're going to do everything wrong and you're going to make terrible decisions. And if you don't do exactly what I say, all that's going to happen to you. The, the, the urge for um, separating and individuating is like a train. You cannot stop it. Mm -hmm. Okay? No matter what logical reasons you give for why the person should continue to do what you want. Mm -hmm. All right? So I want to talk a little bit about what the literature has used to describe all of this. There are two basic concepts. One is separation and one is physically separating from your family of origin. Mm -hmm. Now, most of us, I think, remember that as a very difficult time because you fight with your parents, you disagree over everything, and you really have to do it to, ins to assert yourself and say, I'm my own person. Yeah. And this is the process that's been in motion in one form or another since you were two, and the first time you said no. Okay? Um, but what are the tasks of individuation? Separation is you're able to go live on your own. Mm -hmm. um, not that that's... You could be separated and still live at home, but it's not easy. Um, but what's individuation? Individuation means you've looked at the things in your life and decided that there are things in your life that you want and things that you don't want. It's sort of like the old concept of the unexamined life is not worth living. Most of us grow up in a family that has certain beliefs, religious or otherwise, moral and ethical codes, ways of dealing with other people, kinds of food they like and don't like, etc., etc. Um, so what kinds of things are those? Um, religion is often a big one, and it's often a huge source of conflict when somebody reaches adolescence. Absolutely. Um, and the more bizarre the religion you can find, 
the more it spooks your parents and the better that is. Um, so there, parents are well advised not to do a power struggle around that. Power struggles never ever work. Negotiating is much, much better. Mm -hmm. um, and if you try to if you try to stop some things, you're just going to start a power struggle. And I've the, seen I've seen a lot of uh, breakups happen because uh, maybe one partner was of one religion yes. and one is of the other, and yes. the parents don't want them to date that other that person. That other person, and that's a very difficult situation to be in. I was fortunate enough to run into a very delightful adult recently, um, and to hear that. He was Vietnamese, and his wife was Vietnamese as well, but he was raised Catholic and she was raised Buddhist. And they had managed to negotiate a way where they could share the culture to some extent, but she could be a Buddhist and he could be a Catholic. Mm. And I thought, how nice it is to meet real adults who are able <laughs> to work out things like that. Yeah. Um, it's always a pleasure to meet a real adult. Um, okay. Um, so individuation, you grow up with moral and ethical codes. You don't do that, you do do this. You may or may not agree with the moral or ethical codes that your family had. If you agree, you can keep them. If you don't agree, you develop your own. Mm -hmm. Okay? But that, even by agreeing or disagreeing, they're yours. In what way? I'm saying if you grew up with, um, I don't know, um, a family that said, you know, stealing is not a good thing, mm -hmm. and you want to turn out to be a larcenous Larry, <laughs> you might not want to take on that, that piece of the parents' belief with you. But it's examining your beliefs and your codes and your tastes and so forth and determining what's yours and what isn't. And now, certainly you can keep some stuff if you like it. And so in this situation, if your ex is stubborn, which you are still yeah. probably convinced is a bad thing, it means that they were able to take a look at their family of origin mm -hmm. and say, no, I don't agree with your beliefs. Uh, maybe you have racism in your family and you oh, say, no, common. Right. I'm not going to go along with that. Right. And so if they were not stubborn, they would have went along with that. They so, wouldn't have been with you in the first place. Yeah. Right? Think about yeah. your, your ex and their family. Okay. Take a moment if you think about their family. Would you want your ex to have all the same beliefs as their parents? Not likely. Not likely. You're not right. likely. Absolutely. Not you would likely. want them to take a look at their parents and say, Whoa, you don't want to be like your mom. You don't want to be like that dad. And yet, if they weren't stubborn, as you say, um, they would have gone along with that. That's right. That's right. Even to the point where I was just noting to Coach Craig here, I have a black sheep in my office. He's kind of wrought iron mm -hmm. black sheep, and he's kind of big, and he's kind of heavy, and he's kind like of this formidable, big. and he has on a red bow. Mm -hmm. You'd be amazed how many people come in and pick up the black sheep and hold it and say, I'm the black sheep of my family, which of course to them means nobody likes me or anything I do. What it says to me is you've probably asserted yourself in some ways that didn't go over too well. Right? Yeah. Because if you view yourself as the black sheep, you have said no. Um, so stubbornness can be a very healthy urge to continue to be your own person. That's right. And in the ideal relationship, 
people are able to grow together. Yeah. You know, um, I never thought about considering my family's likes or dislikes about such and such. Um, my mother told me that pizza was terrible, and I never tried it till I was like 18 and said, I'll get even. I will. It's good. <laughs> um, so it's adult decision making, and a true adult um, has done an inventory and decided what works for them and what doesn't work for them, and what they like and what they don't like. Yep. And if you come from a family that does only sports, and you get interested in Shakespeare, it's going to be kind of hard. But it should be okay. If you like Shakespeare and I like the Yankees, that should be fine. <laughs> it's okay. We don't all have to be the same. And how boring life would be if we were. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Now, in, in relationships, sometimes asserting oneself is misinterpreted as an attempt to get away from a partner. Which it may not be at all. It just may be a kind of wordless act to say something isn't right here. Yeah, absolutely. And you wouldn't want them to stay with you if they were truly unhappy in the situation. And couldn't tell you. Well, if your anxiety was at a lower level than it is right now, yeah. you wouldn't want them to stay with you for those reasons. And when you're feeling all this separation anxiety, you're acting, as I say all the time, very selfishly, very self-absorbed. I don't care about what they want. I don't care about how they feel. Right. All I care about is that I am with them. Well, that's using them as an object, and that's not healthy for you or a relationship. Right. So ideally, no. If you're honest with yourself, you want your ex to be with you because they want to be there, and they have chosen. Chosen to be there. Yeah, I can be alone and do fine but I have chosen to be with you is the best position to be in. Mm -hmm. Need is a dangerous word. Yes, it can be very yes. dangerous. Yeah. And so, you know, right now, your ex may have exerted their independence and been stubborn and said, I don't want to be with you. Right. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to hear from you. And if you respect that and respect their decision, they're going to be a lot more likely to want to come back and negotiate. Because you have respected their decision. And you're showing that you can be more reasonable with them as well. Because right. if you think about it, you're kind of being stubborn yourself right. in trying to get them to go about what you want them to do. Right. So let them come to you when they want to come to you. Right. And then negotiate. Don't try and impose your will on them, or you're going to be the one that looks stubborn. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Everything <laughs> has to be pretty negotiable here. Yeah. You're yeah. going to wind up being the very thing that you're complaining about. Right. I love the status quo. It was my way then. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think that was a really good video to help people understand I hope so, that, stubbornness. You know, asserting oneself is not a bad thing. No, it's not. And if you were with a partner that doesn't assert themselves, you're not going to respect them. No, you're really not going to respect them. Even if you're controlling, you will not respect them. And I always believe that if someone doesn't respect you, they're not going to love you. No. So no. it needs to be a mutual respect. Absolutely. Both ways. So, good video. I'm glad. I hope it was helpful. <laughs>
All right, so that's it for this video. I'm Coach Craig Kenneth. I'm Coach Margaret. And if you want to get my help personally, go to my website, AskCraig.net. Sign up for the coaching option that works best for you. I do email coaching and Skype coaching. And soon enough, Margaret will be available for limited Skype coaching. Yes, I'm looking forward to that. I'd love to speak with you. But we will talk with you soon.